NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota racing team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like sixth grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. Nick Sanchez takes the top spot. They'll exit turn two for the final time with Sanchez leading. Sanchez is the leader. He'll change lanes, go up to the top side of the racetrack. Now here comes Christian Eckes. He's going to run. Being pushed by Ben Rhodes. They're three wide nearly as they all wreck in turn three. Flashing further back off of turn number four. They are side by side at the front of the field. Christian Eckes with the run in the outside lane. Checkered flag is out and Christian Eckes claims the win here at the Atlanta Motor Speedway in the break 208. Yeah, it's it's been a uh, it's been a long off season, really really stressful. Um, but man, I got so lucky to be here with Bill McAnally and everybody here. These guys work so so hard, 12 hours a day usually, and uh, just to get to the racetrack. And man, it's uh, it's an honor to be with this team. I messed up and uh, <laughs> got a speeding penalty, and I didn't really know how it was going to go, but. Get a couple good chooses and got a good push from the 99. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the MRN team here with you as we are recovering from a wild weekend in Atlanta while preparing to venture back into the confines of the Lone Star State, Austin specifically, and Circuit of the Americas. Coming up on today's show, we'll visit with A.J. Allmendinger. We had this visit over the weekend in Atlanta. We chatted with A.J. about a lot of things, including... His 400th career cup start coming this weekend at Circuit of the Americas. We're also going to explore the continued rise of Trackhouse Racing one year after they scored their first win at COTA. And one of the Trackhouse crew chiefs, Travis Mack, will chat with Steve Post and Todd Gordon. We'll let you hear some of that conversation as well. We're also going to bring you Joey Legato, Kyle Busch, and others and what they're expecting this weekend Plus, we'll talk NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series racing with Thor Sports' Ben Rhodes. He chatted with our Chris Wilner about the successes of the 2023 season and a whole lot more. But first, Kyle Ricky is here with a check of the latest of NASCAR headlines. Kyle, what do you have for us? Mike, NASCAR Senior Vice President of Competition, Elton Sawyer, joined the morning drive on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio and said starting this weekend at Circuit of the Americas, they'll go back to the 2022 restart zone length. At the start of this season, NASCAR extended the restart zone on a trial basis for the first five races. This weekend's NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series race at Circuit of the Americas will have no shortage of stars. Cup regulars Ross Chastain and Kyle Busch are slated to compete in the event, as well 
well as Alex Bowman, as he is the latest driver to add his name to the entry list. Spire Motorsports announced he'll return to the seat of the team's number seven Chevy Silverado. Additionally, Bowman will also be back behind the wheel of the truck at North Wilkesboro Speedway on May 20th. Other notable entrants for Coda include IndyCar wheelman Ed Jones, as he'll compete in the number 20 for Young's Motorsports, and Parker Kligerman, as he'll be back in the number 75 truck for Henderson Motorsports. Be sure to catch the Motor Racing Network's live coverage of the Expel 225 Saturday at 1 o'clock Eastern Time. And Colic Racing announced that former Craftsman Truck Series regular Derek Krause will make his NASCAR Xfinity Series debut in the number 10 car next weekend at the Richmond Raceway. Mike. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, we'll hear from the winner of last year's Xfinity Series race at Coda, A.J. Allmendinger. And later, we'll celebrate the rise of Trackhouse Racing. Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. A.J. Allmendinger is back racing full-time in the NASCAR Cup Series for the first time in five years. And this weekend, as we head back to Coda, where he nearly scored his third Cup Series win a year ago, A.J.'s reaching a career milestone that he never thought he would reach, his 400th start in the NASCAR Cup Series. Had the chance to visit with A.J. over the weekend, and quite a visit it was. 400th career start. Let's first talk about that milestone. Are you surprised that you've done this now for 400 starts worth? Uh, Somewhat, yes, that somebody's still paying me to do this. Uh, So that's a, a great thing. I'm very fortunate. My body feels like, yes, I have done 400 starts. So there's a little bit of yes and no on that. But, you know, as I said, it, it's one of those things that just very fortunate and, and don't take it for granted that I've been able to be here this long and, and have opportunities to, to drive these race cars for that many races. And, uh, you know, still still hopefully trying to go strong. It's Our season's been kind of up and down so far. But, you know, I love everything about this race team. Always have, always will. So, you know, we'll just keep fighting, but yeah, it's it's pretty special. I'm not really sure. I didn't even know that stat until you guys told me that that part of this interview was my 400 starts. So, uh, pretty cool that I've been able to do it for this long. And you've been with different organizations, and you've had quite a winding road and the path, and you've landed now at Colic Racing. Would this be not to shun the others, but is this the most ideal situation? And I don't want to say perfect because nothing is ever perfect, but I would say that you and Colleague Racing, you're a match made in whatever it is that you make matches. Crazy heaven, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> heaven or somewhere else. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I do really feel like, especially where I'm at in my life, I, I think that's that's part of it as well. Uh there's been many a times I've thought, you know, I'm, I need to work on this or I need to work on that, maybe change myself a little bit. And I'm 41 years old and realize I'm never going to change. And, and they just let me be me. So good or bad, um, fun AJ or psychotic AJ, you know, it's it's all part of the mix. And, and 
Uh, I'm like a potpourri of AJ, is what you would say. So take that for what it's worth. But Because what we're getting right now is starkly different from what we get when you put the helmet on. Because yes. you're very you're very animated. You're running third, and you key up, God, we suck. And you go into that AJ. Where does that AJ come from, by the way? I'm going to blame my dad, because <laughs> the best story about my dad one time, we, and I think this is when I was driving for, for Richard Petty, we got done after a race, and he's like, you know, AJ, you were a little too animated on the radio today. And I was like, what'd you say, Dad? He's like, you're just maybe a little too animated. I said, Dad, your nickname at the racetrack when you raced was Screaming Dinger. I'd watch him getting fistfights with his best friends at the racetrack after the race and the next next day be sitting in the garage laughing about it. I'm like, you made me this way. Like, this is, <laughs> like, don't ever, from you, ever say that I'm too animated because th- this is what I grew up watching and this is the reason... I am who I am. So, yeah, it there there's a there's a lot that goes with me, but I've been super fortunate in the sense of, you know, I've gotten to drive for legends like Roger Penske and Richard Petty and be a part of those organizations and just some of that history. And then you come to a race team like College Racing and and there wasn't a lot of history, hardly any. And we've been able to put up a lot of banners inside of College Racing together. So, uh as I said, for where I'm at in my life, it's it's amazing that I still get to do this, and I think I'm with the perfect team to allow me to be who I am. And now we come into Coda, a race that you almost won last year, and a racetrack that seems to offer a lot. First, on, on just the 30,000-foot view of Circuit of the Americas, where does that one stack up with all of the other road courses that we race on, in your opinion? It's a lot of fun. Uh, I think that racetrack probably... Unlike most of them, you kind of look at road courses that they're just one specific type of road course. Sonoma, for instance, a lot of braking, a lot of tight corners, not a lot of high-speed stuff. Uh, you know, the Roval is, is more just kind of high-speed almost everywhere. You look at Coda, and you have a mix of everything. You got long straightaways. You got some really flowing high-speed corners. But in the back section, you also got some first gear, super tight corners, which allows for great racing. So you got to kind of have your car set up for for everything. I don't think you get it perfect in all aspects of the racetrack. Uh, So you got to pinpoint where the important parts of the racetrack are and and focus on that and then just try to get through some of the, the rest of the sections. So it's a lot of fun. I think that the challenging part of it, is like last year they removed the inside curbing so track limits becomes a question mark and i think i wish partially they put that back so you just had those questions taken away but it is what it is Uh, but we had a great race last year didn't end the way we wanted to but as we know every year is different i think the aero package is going to be different so that's going to be something that we got to work on so hopefully we unload pretty close in practice and just go from there talked about how that racetrack has different personalities different elements where is the rhythm portion or is there a rhythm portion at coda it's all rhythm but it's just different rhythm if if you really take the first half of the racetrack it's it's just flowing you you got to connect everything and if you mess say start of the s's you mess the first one up well you've just screwed yourself for the rest of the s's and you can lose a lot of time through that section so that's just flowing high speed and and you really got to try to get your car balanced through that uh, the back half of the racetrack is is a lot of first gear, tight corners, kind of quick throttle spurts and back off and on, and on the brakes. Uh, and that's actually last year where we were the, the best. Um, unfortunately, it's not the best passing areas. So you got to try to kind of pinpoint 
where you want your car to be good and, and hopefully you're important out of the the hairpin corners down the long straightaways and your car's really good on the brakes uh, and that's between that and the brakes is where we we shine last year so hopefully we kind of even with a different uh, aero package we still have those same elements and what you're describing towards the end of the race that's where things got tight with you and ross and alex and we felt it watching it that the intensity was starting to click up a couple notches a couple of more a couple of more a couple of more a couple of more and then all of a sudden kaboom and everything went haywire on the last lap could you tell that things were ramping up inside the car because things were starting to get a little aggressive there are two three laps to go yeah i mean it, it's those restarts are always super aggressive uh and we know ross is really aggressive but so aren't we all right so you know there was one spot on that final restart where i got to the outside of of reddick and I thought, man, if I clear Reddick, it's game over because I was going to the lead, and, and I think Ross got in the back of him and, and got him loose, and it got me shoved wide. And then that's what kind of started the chaos because I had to run Ross back down. At the end of the day, he, you know, he's going for his first win, and, you know, I got under him, and we had contact there, and uh, he made sure that we had more contact, and, and for him, did it the right way to, uh, to make sure that he had a chance to win the race. So, um you know, it was great to be in. A, I think at the end of it, it is. I just wish, of course, you want to win the race. I just wish we could have still finished inside the top three where we'd run all day. And that, I think, was the most disappointing thing. You look at the end of the day and it's a 33rd place finish, and you're like, man, at worst, we've, we deserve to finish second, but that's part of racing and it's not always fair. So, you know, hopefully we can have the same sort of speed and same sort of battling, and we're just on the different end of it. Coming up, we'll revisit some of Trackhouse Racing's accomplishments one year after they scored their first Cup Series win, and later, Ben Rhodes will stop by. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. 2021 was the first year for Trackhouse Racing in the NASCAR Cup Series, but 2022 was the year they really appeared on the scene. In fact, this week last year was their true coming out party. Daniel Suarez led every lap of the opening stage at Coda, and then Ross Jastain ended up in victory lane. This team's rise to prominence is something that hasn't been seen in NASCAR in a long time. Susie Armstrong has more. Justin Marks never had a doubt about who would pilot the number one Chevrolet for Trackhouse Racing. It was always Ross. That's what I told him when he got out of the car. It was always you. When the Ganassi buyout happened and he texted me as I got off of the, the press conference stage of the Hall of Fame and he just wrote, I want this. And he had to be patient with me while I let the dust settle. Um, but we all were huge, huge believers in Ross's talent. We knew what he was capable of doing and he's proved it the last month at Trackhouse. And, and I think that we've really just opened a door for him and Phil and the one team moving forward. That's what the team owner had to say after the upstart organization found its way to victory lane at Circuit of the Americas. Ross Chastain earned the team's first NASCAR Cup Series win one year ago this week. 
It wasn't easy, though. Chastain finished the first two races of 2022, 40th and 29th. Just like anyone else who competes at the cup level, there were speed bumps along the way. Trackhouse brought fast cars from the very beginning, but I wasn't finishing races. I was crashing. I was running into things. And even though we won, I still hit stuff through the summer. So trying to do a better job of that. You know, whether or not I'm always perfect, I know I won't be. And these cars were racing incredibly close together, and these are the best drivers in the world. So I'm going to slip up. They're going to mess up. That's why there's so many grandstand seats here at Martinsville to watch stuff like that. Chastain's win on the Austin circuit will always be special because it was not only the team's first, but also the 30-year-old's first as well. When approaching this year's event, Chastain has a unique outlook on what to expect. Look, it's definitely going to be special. It's just human nature for me to, to just think back on those fond memories, those awesome memories of winning. You know, from the competition side, though, I honestly have less confidence now going in than I did a year ago. I don't think that, you know, how it's been for me this year, I actually have a, a odd way to say it. I know it sounds weird when I say it out loud, but I have less confidence because I know what we're capable of and sustaining this level level of competitiveness at this level of the sport is so challenging. Uh, we race in circles on the weekends and this sport is a huge circle and teams go up and down, driver stock goes up and down, so uh, trying to keep ourselves elevated here is, is going to be tough. Even though it was the number one team that secured the win, it was Chastain's teammate that would take what they had learned from Coda and apply it to the next road course on the schedule. Se proyecta hacia la recta principal, cruza la línea de meta, recibe la bandera de cuadros y el dulce. El dulcísimo sabor del triunfo es de Daniel Suárez. Mexicanos al grito de Suárez. With his triumph in wine country at Sonoma Raceway, Daniel Suarez became the first Mexican-born driver to win at the NASCAR Cup Series level. The win on the road course didn't come as a surprise, though. When Chastain won at Coda, Suarez had the car to beat early in the event as he dominated stage one. Power steering failure would cause the team to retire from contention and finish 27th. On a positive note, Suarez has identified what has allowed the organization to be successful. It's the people, you know, it's, it's not just the drivers, I can tell you that, you know, it's, it's the people in general. You know, we have good engineers, good mechanics, we have uh, very good pit crews, and just the people, you know, we have good people. I wouldn't say that we are just good in road courses, I feel like we are just good everywhere. And yeah, road course happens to be, you know, one of the first races that we we, we, we show that we're good, and we, you know, Ross won his, race, his first race there. I won my first race there. But I, I just feel like, you know, we, we put a lot of work in it uh, as a team, not just us as a driver, but the whole team. The success that began at Circuit of the Americas translated to the rest of the season for THR. Chastain did a video game move, drove it and never lifted, put it against the safer barrier in turn three, never lifted all the way around the turn and Ross Chastain passes Denny Hamlin. Ross Chastain will get in the organization finished the season with three wins on the year, and Chastain's hail melon move at Martinsville propelled them into the championship four, where they would finish second overall in the standings. That momentum has carried over into 2023. In the first five races, Suarez has finished in the top 10 three times and believes there are numerous elements that have allowed the organization to sustain success. I think there is, there is a big advantage of you know, taking one team and making it better for the following year. And I've been able to, to do that this year. And actually, from 2022 for 23, it was actually the first time in my career that I was able to do that, you know, to take 
a good team and to make it even better for next year. And uh, and I was able to do that with Travis Mack and, and, and everyone in the 99 group. And, and we're, we're just very happy where we are. My pit crew is doing an amazing job. We have had our ups and downs, uh, but the speed is, is pretty incredible, the speed that they have. So I'm very happy where we are with that. I think the potential is very, very high. And, um, and when you have people like that in your team and, and everyone has, you know, we, we all have our, our backs. It feels good, you know, it feels good to go out there and, and do what we love. Suarez isn't the only one providing impressive results. Chastain has finished in the top 10 twice and knows a win is inevitable if the organization stays consistent on the track. I mean, we just got to keep doing what we're doing. We, we have, obviously, we've proven our people are good. We, we have a good understanding of this car and we'll continue to evolve it along with all the other teams. So the most important thing is to not get complacent. And with Justin Marks at the helm, there's no time to stand still. When Trackhouse Racing arrives in Austin this weekend, they'll return to where their fortunes began one year ago. What transpired since is now history. If there was one thing we learned this time last season, it was that Trackhouse could not only compete, but win at the highest level of stock car racing. Thank you, Susie. Coming up, 2021 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series champion Ben Rhodes will be here. And later, we'll preview all of this weekend's action at Circuit of the Americas. Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash Spotify offer to get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket. Watch your favorite teams out of market Sunday afternoon games exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6. No refunds. This is NASCAR Live. Now back to Mike Bagley. We continue on this week's NASCAR Live 2021. NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series champion Ben Rhodes looks to be a contender again this year. The Louisville, Kentucky driver sits fourth in the Truck Series point standings, fresh off two straight top five finishes. This weekend, the series heads to Circuit of the Americas, where he scored top 10 finishes in each of his prior visits there. Our Chris Wilner sat down with Ben to preview this weekend and more. Ben, let's start off with coming out of Atlanta with a top five which uh, pretty good considering the last, what, couple laps of just absolute carnage getting to the checkered flag. Um, you were in contention at the end, though, so walk me through kind of how you would assess your run in Atlanta and two straight top fives here coming off uh, Daytona, so got to be pretty good here to start the season. Yeah, you know what's funny is the last lap was just a roller coaster of emotions. I, I go past the start-finish line, we're kind of in front of the two, I've got the 19 there, and I'm pushing them, pushing them, and here comes the bottom lane charging back, and I'm just like, ah. Oh. What, we're gonna lose the lead on the last lap, or not the lead, but I was in the catbird seat, I thought. Second place, just like Daytona, you can really make some moves there. But it started getting really hectic, going into turn one and two, the bottom line's pulling ahead, they're surging. The two clears the 19, gets up in front of him, and now I'm the third truck back. And I'm like, the race is just falling apart, what the heck? So I, I just, I pushed the 19 as hard as I possibly could. The, the two pulls to the bottom, I'm like, what the heck is he doing? I'm confused by that. And lo and behold, now I'm second on the outside row going into turn three, and I have a ton of momentum, like more than the guys in front of me. So I made a quick split-second decision. I said, do I go for it or do I try to ride it out and just finish like second or third? So I tried to go for it. I went to the high side, um, and I had momentum. I was starting to side-draft the 19. who was side-drafting the two on the bottom. 
But when I went to the high side, we had multiple restarts in a row. I wasn't expecting it to be as dirty as it was. So immediately I got loose. I had to come out of the gas. I used the wall to kind of correct the truck and straighten me back up. Uh, and then at that point, I was fine. I was probably going to ride home third or fourth. And coming off the, the final corner, turn four, coming to the checkered, uh, I think it was Bailey Curry. He just, just clears himself all the way to the wall. Hey, bud, not clear. I'm right here. Just poof, takes me right to the wall with him. And I mean, kills our truck. Luckily, we still finished fifth. So we probably lost a position or two from that. But, you know, the biggest thing is we lost the truck. And, you know, the truck series right now, we're in a five-race stretch. We have a break of a week, I think, or two weeks, and then back to a five-race stretch. So these 10 weeks, nearly in a row, are insanely difficult for our teams because the same guys that are building the trucks at the shop are the same ones on the road. So and our team based out of Ohio, um, we've got a lot of travel to do, right? So we've got trucks on the road for longer. We've got more difficult travel, flying commercial compared to the, to the Charlotte boys. So our guys really want it. They work really, really hard. So then coming off, you know, like you said, a, a, another top five finish. I mean, this is kind of resemblance a little bit of last year. I mean, you kind of had that hot start to the year in terms of top five, top 10 finishes. Of course, we documented this year uh, transitioning to a new crew chief. How has that been going with Jared Prince and what does he bring to the table? I mean, it seems like you guys are able to just hit the ground running uh, like you've been together for years. Yeah, well, he just brings a lot of experience. He's been doing it for years. And the fun thing about Jared is, is that he, he really values everybody's feedback and opinion. He's really good at kind of going to his little round table and asking everybody's opinion, getting their advice and letting that weigh on his decision, um, whether, whether good or bad in some cases, but from what I've seen, it's been fantastic. Everybody kind of has a little bit of a voice. And I think because of that, we work really well together as a team and everybody has, you know, gelled really well. And, you know, the fortunate part for me is that my engineer and my truck chief, I both worked with. I think I was their first driver in NASCAR, actually, uh, or at least in the truck series. So, um, you know, I got kind of re, you know, rebonded with those guys. And then in the meantime, working with Jared and it's been nothing but good things. I, I've really enjoyed it. And I think if the first three races are anything to show, I think the rest of the season is going to be really good for us. So now we go tackle Coda, uh, Circuit of the Americas, first road course race of the year. And kind of the strategy gets played more on the teams. I mean, we're not going to have that stage break caution. We are going to award stage points, but you guys are going to keep racing. So how does that change, do you think, the strategy? And how much more difficult is that going to be to kind of figure out where you need to be in terms of getting stage points, but also making sure, you know, you're there at the end to contend for a win? So it's funny you ask that because just this morning, Jared calls me. Now, mind you, I was on the sim for eight hours yesterday, which was like the record, I think, at Ford for sim time straight by one driver. I get home at like midnight and then I'm up all night with their baby. <laughs> it's like crying and fussing. So he calls me. He's like, Ben, I'm like, ah, I'm like still groggy, rubbing my eyes. Hey, this is what I'm thinking for, for, for strategy tomorrow. This is what I want to do for pit stops. This is what I want to do for our stall selection. So he's been nonstop thinking about it. We talked about it yesterday. We talked about it today. And I know it's weighing really heavily on his conscience. Um, as you guys know, there's no yellow flags for, for the stages. So it kind of opens up some opportunities and it makes it feel a little more old school. Now, obviously with old school racing, there's things that could happen that you just don't experience now with stages. And that would be like going in and pitting and then a caution comes out five laps later. Well, you stay out, you have the track position, but now all of a sudden everybody else has new tires and you're the big loser. 
So there's all kinds of different things that can work out in this race. Um, you know, I guess it's yet to be seen. You got to have a little bit of luck when it comes to things like that. Situations on the track, yellow flags, how they fall. But um, old school nonetheless, I think I'm one of the few guys in the field that remember what it was like before stage races. Matt Crafton, myself, probably Grand Infinger. It's uh, a little bit of a throwback. Yeah, it is, and it should be exciting, but you know, not only do you throw that wrench into the equation, the fact that it's just a hard racetrack. It's a very technical uh, circuit. So you mentioned the eight hours in the sim, but uh, so far so good in the two years we've been there, you've had top 10. So what's the confidence level going back and, and uh, maybe one up in that and getting a win? Yeah, um, I guess confidence is elevated. I mean, every year I go back to a road course, I feel better and better about it. Uh, it took me, I, admittedly, I will say it took me probably three, three good years of Mossport. And that was going up there and like driving other cars to get what I thought was good at Mossport. Like comfortable in the rain, comfortable with different lines, comfortable with the rain line. Like it, there was a lot going on. And I, I felt like it took me a while to get used to it. And I'm not gonna say that any other track is different. So now I'm hoping going back to Coda now for what, the third time, um, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, maybe that's the charm. It seems like that is the charm in the past for when we find a little bit of success on road courses. Um, so yeah, I just, I hope that, you know, the lack of practice, the lack of, you know, time that we get on these big tracks now, I'm hoping that the third time we'll just, it'll finally soak into my brain with eight hours of sim time too. I'm doing my best to burn it into my brain. It's 20 corners. What do you want from me? Thank you, Chris. Coming up, we'll preview this weekend's Echo Park Automotive Grand Prix. And later, we'll visit with Travis Mack. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. This weekend's third trip to the Circuit of the Americas will be one of the most star-studded events of the year. 37 Combined championships across worldwide racing disciplines will be represented. Joey Logano and Kyle Busch account for five of those. What are they expecting at Coda? Kyle Ricky has more. We are five races into the 2023 NASCAR Cup Series season, and we have seen racing at a wide variety of racetracks. This weekend, though, brings us to something we haven't seen as of yet, a road course. The sport's best drivers will head to the Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas. This will be the third trip to the 3.41-mile road course. The first race there was marred by rain, but last year we saw one of the most thrilling final laps of the season when Ross Chastain bested A.J. Allmendinger and Alex Bowman for his first career win. During parts of those races, Chase Briscoe engaged in the battle for the lead, and says Coda has quickly risen up his ranks of favorite road courses on the schedule. Yeah, I would say Coda is definitely, you know, a really good road course for our cars. I feel like it races really well. You know, last year there, battling for the lead with Ross and uh, I want to say Joey, and we were two and three wide and kind of battling all over the place. There's just a lot of heavy braking zones. It's a really good racetrack for our type of cars, you know, because it's got those long straightaways. It's got a lot of 90 degree corners and it's it's really wide for a road course. So there's a lot of move, room to move around and just, you know, there's different lanes you can run. So for me, I would say Coda ranks up there is one of the better road courses that we go to. While this will be the driver's third crack at Coda, there will be a lot of things to get used to this go-around. One will be that there will be no cautions during stage breaks, a move that was made by NASCAR to introduce more strategy back into road course racing. 
Joey Logano says that the biggest result of that rule change is that it is going to be even harder to salvage a good day if you don't have race-winning speed. The fast cars are going to score points now, right? Like, you used to be able to leave a road course, even if you didn't have a fast car, you can manipulate the stages to where you can have a decent day out of it. Now, the fast car is going to score the most points, right? Like, and as it should, right? I mean, it's, that's how it should be, right? Everyone shouldn't have that, but you, know, you used to have to make the decision of, do I want to score stage points or do I want to have a good finish? Now you don't, like, that decision is not, most likely not going to come into play unless there's a timed caution that comes out near a stage, which is, can happen here or anywhere. You know, now it's fast cars that score the most points. The other big rule change this weekend is that this will be the first time that the choose rule will be in effect on a road course. Logano is all for that change, though it will present a big challenge to both drivers and the spotters. I think the choose rule is great, no matter what. I think there there is some challenges that come along with putting the choose at road courses, spotters not being able to see it. I rely on spotters a lot to help the drivers choose what lane to be, and they can help count the car. You can imagine... You can't see much around these cars, so being able to count which car goes where for the driver, that's really hard to do. As big as the tracks are on the road courses and where they have to put the choose is not going to be at the start-finish line. It has to be further around the racetrack to limit caution laps for the fans and for all of us, quite frankly. <laughs> that's going to be probably the biggest challenge for all of us to overcome. This weekend will also be one of the more star-studded fields in recent memory. Jimmy Johnson will be back behind the wheel for Legacy Motor Club in race two of his limited schedule for 2023. And he'll be joined by two former F1 world champions in Kimi Raikkonen and Jensen Button. The winner of the inaugural Xfinity race at Coda, Kyle Busch, welcomes the extra competition. I mean, I hope Kimi gets a better opportunity than he had his last time out of, uh, of going out there and, and running a full race. But uh, I think it's fun. You know, I think it's great that they have that opportunity. Um, you know, it, Trackhouse won that race last year, so you know they'll be a force to be reckoned with. And then, um, you know, the SHR guys, I think, are doing that, that 15 ride for Jensen. But it's, it's cool to see the diversity, not only just different backgrounds of drivers and where they come from uh so I'm, I'm not excited but just you know it's going to be cool to, to have them out there and button will be racing for rick ware racing in a collaborative effort with stewart haas racing the 2009 formula one world driving champion says that he has leaned on his garage 56 teammate johnson quite a bit throughout this process yeah, i'd say biggest point of contact over the last four or five months has been Jimmy and it's because we've worked together quite a bit on Garage 56 which is obviously very different to a cup car it's kind of like eight seconds quicker a lap you know we've done three tests already and we've been together for all three of them so yeah I think I think Jimmy's been the best and I, I, I said to him when I had this opportunity I was like what do you think should I do it he said mate you, you, you definitely have to do it he said you'll have a blast I was like right I'm done I'm in if Jimmy thinks it's going to be fun it's going to be fun Button has raced at Coda in F1 in the past and knows the challenges the course can present. His pseudo-teammate, Briscoe, is becoming familiar with those challenges and says in particular the S's at Coda are one of the most challenging stretches of corners he'll face all year. There is some parts of the racetrack that are extremely technical. You know, the S's are, are probably one of the hardest, you know, set of corners, I would say, that we have all year long. So 
Uh, we had really good speed there uh, in the rain, in the old car, and in the new car. So I'm looking forward to that one. That's a big weekend for us. Uh, that's Mahindra's home race. Uh, Rush Truck Centers isn't too far down the road either. So that's always a race that we have a lot of uh, partners at. So it's a big one to go and perform at. I'm definitely looking forward to getting down there and uh, hopefully putting on a show. Who will follow in the footsteps of Chase Elliott and Ross Chastain as NASCAR Cup Series winners at Coda? It will be the driver who can manage all 20 corners of the circuit over 68 laps of the Echo Park Automotive Grand Prix. That Coda preview was brought to you by Whelan Engineering. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, has been manufacturing in America for over 70 years. We never left, and we're here to stay. Coming up, Steve Post and Todd Gordon chat with Daniel Suarez's crew chief, Travis Mack. And later, we'll wrap up the show by revisiting a road course of the past. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. As we discussed earlier in the show, last year at Coda, Daniel Suarez was the man to beat early, leading every lap of Stage 1. Can his crew chief, Travis Mack, hit the right setup again? He stopped by MRN Crew Call with Steve Post and Todd Gordon to let us know. Good-looking race cars, good-performing race cars. Kind of uh, kind of assess five races into 2023, how things have gone for you guys on that 99 team. Things are going pretty well. You know, we haven't had the results that we liked to the last couple of races, but um, every single week, Daniel has been very happy uh, with the race cars, and we've had really good speed. We just haven't had the results the last couple of weeks, but um, they're going to come. Uh, you talked earlier, uh, Steve did earlier, about consistency. And if I look back at 2022 in Trackhouse Racing, and especially your team, the 99 team, Travis, I felt like you guys week in and week out, you just, you never had those, it didn't seem like you had those ups and downs. You figured out how to be fighting in the top 10, whether you got it at the end of the day, that's that that's here and or there, like you talked about earlier in the season. You've had speed, you've been competitive, and that's carried all the way through and, and continued this year. Um, and really, I felt like you guys were really strong when we got to road courses. I looked at the first Coda race, and I thought you were the best car there. You know, your teammate won there, uh, you dominated the first 15 laps and uh, and you got spun in traffic, but uh, got to be excited about getting back to road course racing again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think Daniel circled this one after last year's Coda race. He felt like we, ha- we had that race won and we kind of gave it away and we got spun out there and then we had a steering issue. So uh, we had a couple steering issues last year at road courses that hurt us a lot. But um, the last couple of years, Daniel has been awesome at road courses we feel like those are our strong strongest races of the year those are our best opportunities to win races last year we won sonoma got that first win out of the way but um coda i feel like is our best racetrack so we've had this one circled since last year we're going to go qualify on the front row and i think with the new rules of getting rid of the stage cautions it's probably going to help us even more so uh i'm really excited to get back to coda you you talk about taking the stage cautions away i was going to go someplace else but since you brought it up how do you think that affects how you call a race or how, how the race plays out? I think it I think it helps us. Um, we've been really strong at road courses. And with the stage cautions, it just kind of mixes it up to where we have to choose to do we want to win the race or do we want to go for stage points and stage wins. So last year at Coda, we kind of messed up. We dominated the first stage and we chose to stay out and get that stage win, which was really cool. And we thought we could drop back up through there. But you know, restarting around 15th and we just got caught up in a spin and damaged the car a little bit. We couldn't come back from it. So now eliminating those stage cautions, is going to, you know, I think we could go for the stage wins and we could go for the win of the race. So uh, I'm excited about it. 
You talked about that spin. I rewatched that race actually this morning, twofold. I knew you got you were on here today, and I, I, I am going down Dakota this week. But um, you know, it looked like a pretty easy spin. Uh, light contact got you spun, but you lost pace after that. Toe link was an arrow piece, or, or I just trying to understand and, and explain to the fan base something easy like that, and you lose pace. Where does that go? Yeah, we actually had a steering issue again. Um, like we had a couple of them last year. We had one at the Roval and then at Coda as well. So two steering issues with that rack. It's been a it's been an ongoing progress to um, try to get that thing fixed and understand it. You know, there's several teams have had issues with that thing, and um, we're looking at it closer this year. Maybe maybe something in our setup is putting extra load through our steering rack that we didn't think about. So uh, we're going back a little different this year, trying to be easier on that steering rack. And NASCAR's made some adjustments this year to take some pressure out of it. So uh, I feel a lot better about it this year. Travis, one of the other elements of this coming weekend is the fact that uh, for the second time in a couple of weeks, uh, you have a 50-minute practice session on uh, Friday afternoon. Um, what's the approach? Big picture stuff, little picture stuff, CODA stuff. How do you guys as Trackhouse approach that 50-minute practice session? Yeah, well, I'm excited to have the practice, really. Um, we feel like this is a really good track for Daniel. So just a little bit of practice just to confirm that he's happy with the car. Well, you know, we're already mapping out our couple questions and changes that we're going to make. Um, we'll work really hard in the DL the last couple weeks, and we're constantly tweaking our road course stuff. So uh, our package overall is really good. You can see that, you know, with the performance we had there last year and then all the road courses with the 1 and the 99. And then after that, all the Chevy camp, you know, really just jumping on board and running well road courses with Tyler Reddick. And uh, so... I'm excited to get back there, have a practice session, maybe change a couple of springs just to see what Daniel reacts to. But more more importantly, giving Daniel those laps to get going. You uh, you talked earlier about one of the changes in that uh, in that we weren't going to see the cautions for the for the stage breaks. Another change coming this week: the choose rule when we do have cautions. How do you see that affect in road course racing? Yeah, I, the biggest concern we have about the choose rule is where where they're going to choose. Um, you know, our primary spotter is in turn one. You know what spot? Usually we have an inexperienced spotter. We have a third engineer going out there to spot. You know, so it's going to be new to him if he's back there with the choose roll. Do we move our primary spotter over to where we choose, um, or do we leave him on the front stretch for the restarts? So that's our biggest concern right now. Uh, biggest decision we have need to make. Travis, I think about the last couple of years in your journey with Trackhouse Racing. A few years ago, single car team. Last year, at this point in the season. You were a team, and Daniel talked about this a couple weeks ago, you were a team with potential. Um, you're kind of the team that arrived now. Uh, you're here. The expectation is to run up front. It's no longer a shocker when you guys do what you do. What is that like leading a bunch of men and women and being part of this program to see the last three or four years that you've had with this Trackhouse team? Yeah, it's been an experience, you know, um, really only keeping Daniel and myself together through those three years. The first year we went up to RCR and we hired a team in January, you know, to go to Daytona in February. So last year we came over here to uh, Ganassi Racing after purchasing and we hired a team in December for last year. So this year uh, we're able to keep most of 95% of the team together. So I think that's huge. You know, you look at teams like that 22 team, you know, last year at the championship after Phoenix and that. You just look at that team and they've been together for a long time. Those guys have been around and it makes a huge difference. And we have that feeling this year that we're an experienced team and 
we all know how each other works and we know what Daniel needs and we're really clicking right now, having a good time while we're doing it. You can hear that full interview with the leader of the number 99 team on a brand new edition of MRN Crew Call. The show drops every Wednesday on YouTube, MRN.com, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Coming up, we'll put a bow on this week's show by revisiting the 1972 Winston Western 500 at Riverside. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We're about to head for the exits on this week's NASCAR Live. Before we do, let's step into the MRN time machine, and let's go back 51 years to the 1972 Winston Western 500 at Riverside International Raceway in California, where the King Richard Petty was victorious in the first time that he sported an iconic paint scheme. Two laps left and will follow Richard Petty as he laps Bobby Isaac going through turn number one into Barney Hall. Betty comes out of the fog. The fog beginning to settle on the speedway again right now. Richard comes down, moves away from Bobby Isaacs as he comes into the second turn. Takes a real quick right. Goes on up through the S's. Richard doesn't seem to be backing off. Still running a real strong pace here in the Riverside race as he heads for turn six. And here comes Richard, and it's a fog-shrouded afternoon as Richard comes through turn number six here, just about five car lengths in front of Bobby Isaacs. Richard now down that back short straightaway, just about to end the, end the Ford domination of this Riverside 500 as he goes into turn number eight, comes out of eight very nicely. Bobby Isaacs now into turn number eight. Richard now headed down that back straightaway, and as the fog sets here at Riverside, the crowd in excess of 45,000 people, we see Richard now almost down to the Champion Bridge and Larry Huffman. Yes, we're watching him coming out of the fog. Uh, Petty coming, or check that. Yes, Richard Petty now coming out of the fog. The fog in the dark is settling over here. Petty is slowing down a little bit now, taking it easy. We watched him earlier, and when he had that 30-second uh, lead over Allison, he didn't seem to be slowing down a bit. He had his floor, foot on the floor all the way through this back straightaway, but now he is slowing down just a little bit and taking it easy. And a well-deserved rest. Going into the long sweeping term is Richard Petty in uh, the 72 Plymouth, the STT, STP Plymouth, coming around now in front of the tower. Final lap for Richard Petty. This is it. White flag is unrolled and it's out for Richard as he wheels down at a turn number one and is on his way for a final lap around the speedway. It's been a tremendous run. The darkness continues to settle. What loyal fans they have here in Riverside. 45,000 of them on a fog shroud a day have stayed here and seen a tremendous race which will be ending early. Let's go to Barney Hall. Petty swings by in turn two on his victory lap. If he can make it back around, he'll be the winner here at Riverside, getting the season off to a great start on his way to collect more than $15,000. Petty moves up into the west end of the speedway. We have him here, uh, Barney, in the familiar Petty Blue, car number 43, the 72 Plymouth, as he goes down that short straightaway. We can't help but think this may be the last time we'll see 100% Petty Blue on that car as he goes out of turn number eight, and he's going to stroke it around this last lap down the back straightaway. And one of the slower cars actually going a little faster, and Richard is now down the back straightaway as Richard heads for the champion bridge. The fans are standing up on their feet all along the uh, fences lining both sides of this long straightaway as Petty comes along in his final victory lap. An interesting point I noted is the number of young people, there's a bunch of fans waving Petty on, the number of young people, teenagers and uh, under 12s out here today. It looks like a, a real Woodstock type happening. All right, there goes Petty now, past, past the uh, Champion Bridge and then into turn number nine, the long sweeping right-hand turn. He'll come back around in front of the tower, Richard Petty. So the champion remains the champion. That unparalleled story in the history of auto racing the Petty family of Randall, North Carolina, and they are about to conquer Riverside, California for the second time. He takes it all. Car number 43, Petty, 
wins the Winston Western 500. That flashback is brought to you by Mahindra. Race fans, don't forget to cheer for Chase Briscoe in the Mahindra Tractors number 14 car and race into your local dealer for big savings on Mahindra, the official tractor of Tough. You can hear that race in its entirety right now on MRN.com or by subscribing to MRN Classic Races wherever you listen to podcasts. I'd like to thank A.J. Allmendinger for joining us. Also, our thanks to Ben Rhodes and Travis Mack for stopping by. I'm Mike Bagley. For the rest of the MRN crew, we thank you for checking us out as well. Don't forget, NASCAR Live Wide Open drops on Thursday and NASCAR Live next Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina. And was brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Trey Downing, Pat Jaggers, and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F.com.